This is Teddy Stigma, the world's worst role model, reminding you kids to be like me. Eat steak, lift weights, and drink whiskey. And listen to the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reffin Show. And now, the wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, The Whole Reffin Show. Welcome to yet another exciting episode of the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, the whole reference show. My name is Perry Smith. And my name is Darren Beasley. Still? Still Darren Beasley, huh? It is. I didn't change it. Uh, I've threatened to. I've threatened to. But now that I am finally world famous, uh, I (laughs) dare not. (laughs) Yeah, right. You don't want to change it now. I mean, you, you you got the good stuff. Uh, I'm still Perry Smith. Uh, I've been Perry Smith. I've been going by Perry ever since high school, uh, which is why a lot of people call me Adam. A lot of people call me Perry. It's it's a, it's a long, confusing story. What? Uh, <laughs> what? Who calls you Adam? I have no such thing. <laughs> Truthfully, folks, Darren does typically call me Adam, so he has to really, really focus hard to call me Perry uh, when we do this Perry. podcast. Perry, Perry Smith, how dare you? I have never called you anything except Perry Smith and Perry. I mean, first of all, I cannot emphasize enough how much how Perry you really are. But Perry, you're the one who doesn't want to let our dear listeners peek behind the curtain, and you're they're peeking in your damn undies. I'm uh, calling yourself Adam. <laughs> we are um, we are approaching that 100th episode mark, Darren. So I want to be as real. Uh, with, with our with our hashtag dear listeners as I possibly can, so there's that. But uh, fans out there, uh, friends of the show, you can call me Perry because uh, that's my name, and only only a select few call me Adam. Like I I have to have I have to have known you since like <laughs> since like the mid '90s uh, for you to call me uh, Adam in my life. Uh, anyway, uh, so enough about me. Let's talk about uh, wrestling. You probably want to talk about wrestling or no 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 more about your name. Okay okay. Well, um, there's actually a lot of talk about headline-wise, folks. In fact, that's about all we have on today's episode because uh, Ronda Rousey got inducted into the Hall of Fame, not the WWE Hall of Fame. We're talking UFC, baby. Uh, well, not, not yet. R- right, right, right. That'll happen. That'll happen next year. It'll happen very, very, very quickly. Uh, I can, I can gather. Uh, we have an injury report. We have a uh, another injury report, which. Has nothing to do with being injured in the ring. A little auto collision. Uh, and we have another anniversary. Last week we talked about the Mankind Undertaker Hell in the Cell from King of the Ring 98. Uh, it was a 20th anniversary. Another milestone in the world of wrestling. Another 20th anniversary is uh, Goldberg versus Hollywood Hogan for the WCW Heavyweight Championship at the George Dome in Atlanta, Georgia. Perry, I'm just going to say this. Uh... If we keep having these updates on the 20th anniversary or greater of these events that did not happen when I was like one, <laughs> then I I don't know what I'm going to do. But the fact that we're starting to have – oh, I'm not even going to go there because I really don't need to – I mean – all it would take is our dear listeners doing some very simple math to figure out how old we are. 
but I don't want to actually fess up to it. You can't peek behind that curtain. Not today, anyway. Right, right, right. You, you don't want them to to see you in those undies? Is that what you said about me? Something about... It is. Okay, okay, I okay. I don't want them to know that we're talking about the 20th anniversary of something that happened when I was 17. Well, it's well. There you go. Uh, well, it's strange that you mentioned that because we said 20th anniversary last week for the Hell in the Cell match. I didn't bat an eyelash, but in, until just now, when you ver- like you verbally said 20 years is a long time, I was like, "Hey, it is a long time." Um, 20 years is a long time. It, it is a long time, and now I feel very. I feel ancient. Uh, what I will say, but the, the craziest part is it, it. It doesn't feel like 20 years have passed. I mean, it certainly doesn't feel like Hogan and Goldberg in the Georgia Dome was like two years ago. Not that ridiculous or cloudy. I'm, I don't. There's not that much dust in my brain. But like twenty years. I mean, come on. I, one of the things. One of the my mark. My great markers for time historically was I always related to the fact that the Beatles broke up ten years before I was born. Right. So. If the Beatles broke up 10 years before I was born, and really their entire career as a band only lasted about 10 years, then that means the same time elapsed between the Beatles forming and me being born as now between Goldberg and Hogan in the Georgia Dome and now. Right. What? (laughs) I don't like it. Dear listeners, they aren't lying when they say that time speeds up. It does. Well, certainly, certainly. I I use the expression, uh, haven't seen someone like for 10 years a lot more frequently than I used to. That's for sure. But now we're starting to say things like, man, that was 20 years ago. We're talking about the world of wrestling and stuff like that. Because, I mean, that was the last big renaissance in wrestling. Was uh, the uh, the the Monday Night Wars and all that stuff? ECW's uh, on on TV and exists and is kicking ass. Um, I mean, wrestling's kind of getting back to that point again, where it's it's cool to watch it again, thanks to like the Bullet Club and New Japan Pro Wrestling and ROH and all that stuff. So I, I don't know that this might be the the next renaissance in wrestling. It could very well be uh, hard to say for us because we never like really stop like stop stop watching wrestling. Um, but it but it seems like that that is the case, or at least wrestling's getting interesting again. Um, so there's all that. But I mean, let's let's start from the very beginning. Let's tackle these headlines. Ronda Rousey, Rowdy Ronda Rousey, that is inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame Ultimate Fighting Championship Hall of Fame. She's going to the Hoff. So, let's go to the Hoff. Let's go to the Hoff. Let's go to the Hoff, oh baby. Ronda Rousey going into the UFC Hall of Fame to me is like, it's like Edge going into the WWE Hall of Fame. It's like, you know, Eddie Guerrero going into the WWE Hall of Fame. It's just too soon. Are they deserving? Yeah, sure. Ronda Rousey, you know, is very deserving of this. Does it need to happen now? No, I don't think so. I mean, are they trying to capitalize on her current WWE hotness? You know, like, oh, they certainly couldn't have put her in when she left UFC because she was 
I mean, she was like a dumpster fire on her way out of the door at UFC. <laughs> right. And does Dana White want to, does he want to let her WWE uh, hotness turn into to something that's, you know, just smoldering and then is forgotten about? And then she's been away from MMA for so long and they're like, who cares? So I'm sure, that, and like anything else, it's all about money. It's all about timing. They're going to strike while the iron is hot. And that's why they're going to put her in. But again, I just don't like people that are incredibly young going into halls of fame. It just doesn't make sense. And other sport, I mean, well, okay, well, exactly. I mean, there, there's my point exactly. UFC is considered a legitimate sport, whereas wrestling is not. Uh, wrestling is entertainment. Therefore, people are actually very forgiving of the WWE Hall of Fame because uh, it doesn't it's not measured by actual credentials. So who cares, right? True. But for UFC, I honestly believe, how do you put Ronda Rousey in at all other than she's the first woman in UFC? Well, I guess the question for you there is, what are your standards? What are your qualifiers uh, for putting someone in the Hall of Fame, is it time in, time away from, or impact in? Because I mean, all, I think all of those are qualifiers. If you ask me, I, I mean, if, if you, I, I know you're, you're not happy. You always come back to the edge thing. With edge came in too soon. I, I wouldn't put him in at all because I don't like him. Uh, but that's just me being spiteful. Um, when did he go in? 2016. Is that when he was abducted? Uh, well, well, I, that, I think it was earlier than that. Okay, so we'll say around 2016. Listeners, uh, uh, forgive me. I, I can Google it right now, but that would be false. I'm going off the top of my head for you, okay? Again, I want to be as real as I can going into the 100th episode you know, in a few months here. Um, so we'll, we'll say he went in in like 2016. Um, he started in the WWE in what, 97? I want to say 98? Uh, I know he was part of the group that was like, uh, it was him and like Sean Morley, a.k.a. Val Venus, and a couple of other folks. Um, so that's almost 20 years. So, I mean, that's that's not too bad as far as putting someone into a Hall of Fame, right? But that's time in. He'd only been away from WWE for like, what, a couple of years at that point? A few years? Uh, all right, here's the thing. I know his last match was at WrestleMania 27 in the opening match against Alberto Del Rio. Right. So... If that's WrestleMania, <laughs> how the mighty have fallen, Jesus! You know, so seven seven years ago, so 2011. I feel like he went in in 2012. Oh, that soon, really? I really think it was like immediate, and it was. God so damn it! I'm just gonna look it up now. Keep talking, Darren. I'm, I'm looking this up. So 2012, I think maybe he goes in the Hall of Fame, and and that was my point. Is like you. <laughs> Don't I don't like the idea of Hall of Fame being a consolation prize. You know what I mean? Right. Because that's what I feel like that was. Is oh, we're sorry you can't wrestle another ten years. So here you get to go in the Hall of Fame. It's sort of like winning the world title. Well, he went in in twenty twelve. So my <laughs> so my um I looked it up. So so my uh my timeline's a little skewed. Uh, so I will absolutely say that's way too soon uh, to go into the Hall of Fame, I would say. Literally 364 days. Right. Between losing 
the world or now there's another now there's where I've forgotten. Did he lose Alberto Del Rio? Did he lose the world title? Or did he keep it and relinquish the belt? I think he kept it and relinquished the belt. But anyway, oh, I was there, but I forgot. Uh, I was getting nachos at the time, but I heard. Yeah, really. That was uh, – I I don't dislike Edge as much as you do, uh, but I'm also not a huge fan. Okay. And okay. Uh, But anyway, Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey, whether you love it or don't like it, Hall of Fame-worthy career, if only because she was the very first woman to sign with UFC. That's a big deal. That, I mean, without the social or societal stigma, like Dana White was not discriminating. Uh, like, I mean, he was discriminating against women. <laughs> by the way. Well, what I'm saying in the turn again, uh, linguistics podcast how you want to define the word discriminating. Uh, if you take the discri- discriminating at its Oxford English Dictionary definition, that's precisely what Dana White and the UFC was doing, was discriminating against women because it did not allow women into the UFC until Ronda Rousey and her contemporaries. But I don't mean to say discriminating like Major League Baseball discriminated against African Americans until Jackie Robinson. It's a different type of quote-unquote discrimination. But for the sake of conversation, which that's this whole podcast is for the sake of conversation, Ronda Rousey joining UFC could be construed to be tantamount to Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier in Major League Baseball. If for that reason only, Ronda Rousey deserves to go in. But do you put her in six years after she joined? I mean, we're not talking about six years since she left. Six years since she started. Right. I mean, that just reeks of a of money grab or, or, or spotlight grab. On Dana's part. No, I, I understand that, and uh, I agree with that. And whether it was now or 20 years from now, she would have gone in. Or you know, Who's to say that UFC even exists 20 years from now? So, I mean, it, it was going to happen. I mean, it's not like uh, Ron Rouse is going in. So is so is Dan the Beast Severn, because, you know, I mean, he's actually, like, from the beginning. He's a legit been-around kind of guy. He's got that longevity. Um, so, I mean... It does seem a bit soon, but I mean, I guess if you want to get the women's wing of the UFC Hall of Fame going, that you you kind of want like the the Hulk Hogan of the women's, you know what I mean, women's division. You're you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But yeah. I don't know. I mean, Ronda Rousey did she have a Hall of Fame career? Because you talked about time in. Time in, she was only in the UFC for four years. That's the UFC for you, though. That that is the UFC. I mean, fair enough. There are plenty fair of greats enough. who had like five fights. You know what I mean? It's just the way it uh, is. Okay. Time away. She's all, she less than two years. Less than two years. That you know that's that's edge territory there. Yeah, but in UFC, that's like ten years away. I mean, in, in a way, kinda. I mean, right? And, and, and impact. Her impact is that she was the first and that for a very brief time she seemed unbeatable. But really, she was 6-2. and two. Well, the, the thing is also, I mean, how could you even 
how could you start a women's section of the Hall of Fame if Rousey's not the first woman to go in? You know what I mean? Well, you just don't put any women in yet. Okay. Talk- uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Who's discriminating here? Easy, easy. You're saying Jackie Robinson should not have been able to play baseball, Darren? No, I, that's, not what I'm <laughs> that's not what I'm saying at all. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Uh, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, folks. No, Ronda Rousey deserves to go in. Again, what peeves us, I guess, is just that. <laughs> like This was yesterday. Like, I mean, you know, she could have been away for four more years, five more years, but I guess they just don't know what Rousey's going to be doing in five years. So it's like, strike while the iron's hot. So I, I get that. Okay. She, she deserves to go in, just not yet. Well, exactly. I mean, and that's my point. And if Dana White or whoever's making these decisions at this point doesn't watch out, their UFC Hall of Fame is going to be shat on or at least dismissed, just like Vince McMahon's Hall of Fame. And the reason I say that is because Ronda Rousey is going into the UFC Hall of Fame and Vader is not in the WWE Hall of Fame. Right. I, you, you see my point? Yeah, but like, the, the the line for the WWE Hall of Fame is a bit more crowded than the line for the UFC Hall of Fame. But no, I'm, but I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just not having any standard. I'm not. Politics are going to play a part always. If you look at Major League Baseball, Cooperstown Hall of Fame, there's politics that are heavily involved there. Personal politics, uh, writers. Uh, sports writers bias all of that factors in but there is at least a standard speaking of which pete rose pete rose is not in that hall of fame however he is in the wwe hall of fame (laughs) (laughs) speaking of baseball bias yes true but at least cooperstown has a standard they have established criteria and to me that makes a big difference. Politics will still be involved. Bias, prejudice, discrimination still will be involved. You know, corruption, chicanery, and skullduggery will still be involved. But there is at least, a, at the start, a level playing field, no pun intended. Is there no standard anymore? Be yourself, by yourself. Stay away from me, uh, Pantera reference. Okay, uh, no, no, I'm I'm with you. I mean, we're not we're not disagreeing with each other. We're just kind of kicking around the notion of like people going into their respective Hall of Fames. But when when is the right time for them to do that? Uh, again, UFC, you don't know what the future holds for UFC. A lot of people think UFC isn't as popular as it was like five years ago. Um, so like a lot of the future of the UFC is in doubt. Uh, so you never know what can happen. It, it can catch fire again and whatever, but either way, Rousey is in and that's that, uh, more lady wrestler news. Ruby Riot unfortunately suffered an injury at a, a WWE live event at Rapid City, South Dakota, uh, where my sister used to live for a little while. Uh, so that's interesting. She actually uh, hurt her left knee while a match uh, working against Dana Brooke. Wait, who did? Your sister? No, no, no. Uh, Ruby Riot. Uh, I'm sorry. Her, 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 she's 
Also known as Ruby Riot. Ta 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 ta. Uh, <laughs> add, add a couple more T's to her name. Uh, but if she had an MRI and found out that she actually had an MCL sprain, and uh, that's that's no good. But it's only a sprain, so she'll actually be back in action in a couple of weeks. So that's good. Uh, we've been big fans of Ruby Riot ever since the Heidi Lovelace days. Uh, we've always praised her on the podcast uh, since the beginning, like literally since the beginning of the podcast. Uh, we've been talking about her uh, very positively. She's a very good wrestler. Dave Meltzer talked about this. Um, he, he thinks one of the reasons why uh, Ruby got injured is because Dana Brooke never wrestles, and the two of them had never actually worked a match together. Um, so there was just a lot of miscommunication. Um, so that, that could be it. That could be a reason why. But uh, she'll be back in a couple weeks. Uh, get well soon, Ruby. Absolutely. We wish her the best. Uh, the sprain, no injury is better than any injury, but a sprained MCL is much better than a torn or or, or fully compromised MCL because it means no surgery. Yeah, those are the best anytime ones. You can, uh, anytime you can steer clear of the knife is a good day. So uh, speedy recovery to Ruby. We want to see her back on our TV screens ASAP. That is correct. Apparently leaving the very same show, uh, Bray Wyatt, a.k.a. the Eater of Worlds. Uh, <laughs> a man who, what did he do? What did he do? Did he eat a world? Uh, no, he actually ate the rear end of a car. <laughs> oh, no. With his car. Uh, Bray, oh. Bray Wyatt did cause an accident uh, where he rear-ended a car, which actually rear-ended another car. Uh, he was cited for careless driving. Uh, Bray Wyatt's car was totaled, uh, but apparently he claimed to have suffered traumatic head injury where he couldn't quite recall the, uh, the the events of the accident. That could have been just him faking. Who knows? I don't know. Like, oh, no, I wasn't I wasn't doing nothing, officer. I wasn't looking at my Spotify. I was watching the road. Ten and two, baby. Ten and two. <laughs> oh, this seems to have been a problem, Mr. Officer. <laughs> I have... A rental car of horrors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. Officers, uh, I do believe. I hope I, got the, I hope I got the Enterprise rental car insurance of horrors. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just hope he was like sitting on the side of the road waiting for someone to pick him up, and like Randy Orton came by and like scooped him up or something like that, or or Matt Hardy or something. That's funny. <laughs> So obviously, we're glad that he wasn't seriously injured. He will be uh, wrestling at uh, Extreme Rules. He's still going to have a tag match uh, defending the belts uh, with Matt Hardy. So he's he's not terribly injured from this, and uh, he was cited, which sucks. And uh, but he's fine, so that's good. Again, no surgery and the injury and all that stuff. No one was seriously hurt, or at least that hasn't come out yet. Um, so that that's fine. But uh, Bray Wyatt, you got to watch where you're going, buddy. Uh, yeah, you gotta watch. Stop looking at Spotify. Uh, I don't know how. I don't know what South Dakota's laws are on uh, hands-free with your cell phone, but uh, I like Perry's idea. Ten and two, eyes on the road. Ten and two, and eyes on the road. <laughs> so, of course, we wish uh, Bray Wyatt well, and uh, yeah, I guess we'll still see him Extreme Rules, and uh, that card is. That's a card. Uh, Moving on, we're going to look back. Instead of looking forward to Extreme Rules, we're going to look back again 20 years ago, as we talked about, which is uh, 
little chunk of time there. Taking you back to a faithful WCW Nitro where Bill Goldberg, a.k.a. Goldberg, took on Hollywood Hogan for the WCW Heavyweight Championship. Again, that was a Georgia Dome, baby. In Atlanta. We could have been there, Darren. We lived in South Georgia. Why weren't we there? I don't know. Like of all the of all the Georgia Dome Nitros to miss, we were like, oh, this one will be just whatever. So I know. I mean, I think I was at, at every single other one. <laughs> like, I, you know, we were of course there for the finger poke of doom. We were there for the famous Hogan Nash push down, um, which <laughs> not, that was a great match or anything. It wasn't a match at all. But if it were just a match, would you remember it quite as well? Probably not. No, definitely not. Definitely not. That was, as far as Nitros go, that was not a good Nitro to attend in terms of, like, in-your-face entertainment. Like, however, it's a historic Nitro. So, like, the day after, or let's say, no, the day after you're still riding the high of having done it. The month after, it was like, yeah, that wasn't really that great of a Nitro. But 20 years after, it's like, Oh, hell yeah. I was there at the finger poke of doom. Well, actually, a lot happened at that Nitro. Very quickly, folks. Then we'll get into the Nitro in question. Um, no, the, the, the Nitro... I'm just going to talk about one that with no, no particular anniversary afoot. Well, the, the, the Nitro we went to was... That was the finger poke of doom, where Hogan was fighting Nash, and then Hogan just poked Nash on the chest, and Nash immediately fell down, and Hogan just pinned him one, two, three, and pissed off the entire audience. Um, that was also the Nitro that uh, the NWO beat the shit out of uh, Goldberg, uh, and they handcuffed him to the bottom rope. And I remember, I think Hall was spray-painting Goldberg's back, and he started, I think he was maybe spray-painting like the yellow line, like the like the coward, basically. And he went up towards Bill Goldberg's head, and I think Goldberg took an issue with his head being spray-painted, and he kind of like like was all of a sudden like actually like trying to... To hit um, to hit Scott Hall, uh, which I think he mentions in an interview or two. I think I've, I've heard about like that was a big deal for him. But Goldberg got arrested, and he actually got taken to a uh, the police station. Which uh, is funny watching like I guess actors. And I think it was actually real policemen like interrogating Bill Goldberg and stuff. But he shows up at the very 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 end. I believe he comes back. So yeah, they were like, weren't they trying to basically? Uh, imply that Goldberg had raped Miss Elizabeth. Something like that. Yeah, I remember Miss Elizabeth was uh, involved was somehow. Okay. Like, I mean, I like my edgy wrestling. Like, I like edgier adult content from the Monday Night Wars, from the quote-unquote Attitude Era. But, I mean, damn. But you gotta remember, like, 30 men just handcuffed and beat Goldberg. No charges pressed. But... <laughs> But Goldberg is the one that goes to jail that night. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but this is, a, this is a Nitro that happened after, much, much after uh, the Nitro that we're going to talk about right now, which is uh, which is Goldberg versus uh, Hollywood Hogan. Now, for Goldberg, at this point, Goldberg was undefeated. We actually talked about this recently because I compared this to Asuka's streak and how this is, this is where Asuka's streak went wrong by her losing to Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. Right, and where Goldberg's streak went right. Exactly. Not to cut you off, and you can go right back into it, but this is, of course, where Goldberg's streak went right, despite a lot of the criticism that has followed 
over the last 20 years, but please continue. Right. Well, thank you so much. Um, so, yeah, that night Goldberg was still undefeated. It was a Nitro. All this happened at Nitro and not a pay-per-view, which a lot of people thought was a was a bad call. But Well, that, that's the criticism. Yeah, it, the it, it worked out pretty well for WCW, though, I will say. I mean, that was probably, like, one of the highest-rated Nitros, like, in a long time. I, I know it was, it was the largest uh, Nitro crowd uh, for the Georgia Dome. Um, but... So, so Goldberg is uh, he's he's able to fight Hollywood Hogan, but first he must defeat uh, Scott Hall or earlier in the night uh, to win the the chance to fight Hogan for the championship, which he defeats Scott Hall, and it's like, oh no, right? Well, I mean, but the thing is, like to the to to us who obviously even at that time we were we were still pretty young, but we were very smart to the business, right? So to speak, we had the uh, internet, and, well, right? And and also, contrary to the way some people would have it, who will remain nameless, uh, <laughs> not only did the internet exist, but we were all kind of just already in on the joke. I mean, it was 1998 for crying out loud. It wasn't 1968, you know. Right. But being smart to the product, I think that. We, when we saw that he had the hurdle of Scott Hall, we thought, oh, well, that's enough. That's how you do it. That's how you have him lose to Hogan is, well, he's already tired and he's already, you know, because he had to fight Scott Hall. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, everybody fully expected him to defeat Scott Hall, but wrestling, smart mark wrestling logic at the time would have dictated, oh, then he goes on to lose to Hogan. Right. Which didn't happen. Because he goes on to fight Hogan, and that that Georgia Dome audience is on their feet. I remember all of us watching it together, um, and um, yeah, it was crazy. Because I, I was, uh, I think, me and uh, and our good friend, my slash cousin John, uh, were pretty big into Hogan retaining. Because I I didn't like Goldberg. Like I didn't appreciate Goldberg until well, I still don't appreciate him. I understand what makes Goldberg special. I get it. I don't ever want him to watch him wrestle anybody, um, and and never hashtag never forget him wrestling Bret Hart and what happened to Bret Hart. Uh, <laughs> there's that, but um, so me and John are like pretty much like no no Hogan Hogan Hogan, and then you uh, and another friend of ours uh, Matt are are pretty big Goldberg fans at this point. So you're like no Goldberg Goldberg Goldberg, and for the sake of wrestling and WCW and the future of WCW and um, this being so built up and this happening like. It made sense for Goldberg to go over on Hogan, uh, but I wonder like what it took to convince Hogan to lose um, <laughs> to Goldberg on Nitro. I mean, because well, Gold- I mean Hogan had, had lost to uh, Lex Luger on Nitro, uh, right. like before that, and but that was literally like he lo- he got the belt back that paper like the next pay per view like. Like, like that week. Like, he got the belt back immediately. So it didn't mean anything. So, I mean, that kind of stuff did occasionally happen on Nitro. But that. this, this wasn't that. This was a watershed moment. Yeah. This was a sea change. And other aquatic metaphors. <laughs> and other Beck albums. <laughs> <laughs> this was an Odile. <laughs> it was. It, it was... An Odelay. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a mellow gold. Um, <laughs> so, yes, on this night, I was very torn. I mean, because, I mean, I was in WO4 life. Hell, 
I am NWO for life. I'd say when you're NWO, Darren, you are NWO for life. So that makes sense. Precisely. So, I mean, Hulk Hogan was not only one of my childhood heroes, saying your prayers, eating your vitamins, and, and believing in yourself. I mean, come on. That was me, 24-7, 365. But also, the coolness, the coolness of Hollywood, dude, and the NWO brother. And I, I could not have loved Hollywood Hulk Hogan anymore. So I was torn because, yeah, I'm like you. I was a huge fan of Goldberg as well. So it was one of those moments where I was like, uh, oh, God, oh, God. I was like, I really didn't know where to go. And I, you know, even though I was smart to the business, I don't know that I cared about the business end of the business. Right. So I didn't, I knew how wrestling worked, but I didn't care about their ledger book. I cared about the stories. Actually, you know, today I still feel that way. In 2018, I still hate the answer to all the questions really being, Money, as we've discussed on this podcast many times before. I want things to be a story. I want to watch stories. I want to listen to stories. I want to see gods and titans and superheroes. And I want to see magic and drama and joy. I don't care about the business end of it. I'm not a promoter, so why should I have a promoter's cares? Right. Right? I'm a fan. So anyway, on that night, I certainly didn't want Goldberg to win because I gave a shit about Ted Turner's checkbook, <laughs> you know, but I did feel Goldberg needed to win for Goldberg's sake. Not only did it make sense financially, as we see, you know, with hindsight or as you see, if you're business minded, even at the time, no, to me, it purely made sense as a story. This is the story that needs to be told. Plus... I'd already suffered enough heartache when Goldberg beat Raven on Nitro for the U.S. For title. the U.S. title, yeah. So when, when Goldberg beat Hogan, he was both U.S. champion and heavyweight champion. Back, back then, when you were U.S. champion, that meant you were number one contender to the belt, what the IC title used to mean on WWE, and they don't do oh, that anymore. You mean, oh, you mean when anything meant anything? Is yeah, 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 sure. Oh, whatever happened to that? Whatever happened to that? You mean Roman Reigns, who will lose repeatedly to Brock Lesnar, but still claim he's number one contender to the, the belt? That's infuriating. Yeah, and you know who's calling him that, don't you? Who? He is. <laughs> so, I mean, they are, because they're telling him to say that about himself. Um, I mean, there was a lot of surprises that night. Uh, one, that there is a Hogan World title match in the main event. Um... Against Goldberg, who I mean was worthy of, of being a champion. I mean, he'd be a credible champion, but he wasn't Sting or Luger or the Giant or Nash or Hall or people that are already kind of there in front of him in line. And two, that Hogan actually lost the belt, right? He dropped the belt to Goldberg. Three, there was a clean finish. They could have very easily said, okay, go for about 10 minutes, and then the NWO runs in and just ruins everything, and, and, and they ring the bell. Right, right, right. But they, they are thwarted. It doesn't, for the, sake, yeah, for the sake of the finish, it doesn't actually have an impact. Right. But the question is, 
obviously we would still remember Goldberg now, especially us, you know, stupid, stupid, our stupid love for wrestling uh, and all of wrestling's history uh, to a fault. But I mean, like, is Goldberg still held in such high regards? Had he lost going into that match, much like again, Oscar? They should have just let Oscar become champion because it totally just it didn't take the wind out of her sails. It burned her sails, and now she's just adrift in the ocean with no way of steering. Oh man, that's that's the doldrums. That's literally the doldrums. Well, there you go. Well, that is a very good question. If Goldberg loses on that night, on July 6th, 1998, 20 years ago, if he loses on that night, are we talking about him at all? Well, say, we're not talking about this on the podcast right now. We're not talking about this. Right, yeah. Hogan wins. It's just another Hogan victory. (laughs) It's just a typical Nitro. Well, seriously, because it's like, okay, that's weird that Hogan defended the belt on Nitro, yeah, that it wasn't a Georgia Dome. There was a big crowd, blah blah blah. But that's only if you're looking into it already, and then you start, you know, going through those facts. Right. But it doesn't jump out at you. It doesn't jump off the page unless Goldberg. Well, I guess it, I guess it would. It would have its own little bit of meaning because it would have been the end of Goldberg's streak. Right. But it doesn't have. But even that is not the headline and the moment in time that because I because yeah because even the streak itself much like Oscar's streak that you keep referencing uh, and rightfully so Goldberg's streak itself is diminished by it ending there so yeah it doesn't even necessarily maybe. Maybe Goldberg's entire career is derailed if he loses on that night 20 years ago. Right. The streak ends sort of, I won't say unceremoniously, because the streak ending in a world title match against Hulk Hogan in the Georgia Dome, yeah, big deal. That is a big deal. <laughs> totally non-sarcastically, it's a big deal. Uh, what happens, though, from there? Hogan could have been like a, a dick. You know what I mean? And said, like, no, nah, brother, he's not ready. He's not ready for the belt, brother, so I'll just end him tonight. And it would have totally crushed Goldberg had Hogan pinned Goldberg that night. Because Goldberg wins, has the belt until Starcade, where he is defeated by Kevin Nash, thanks to Scott Hall using a cattle prod on him, uh, which is enough to take Goldberg down for Kevin Nash to get the, the one, two, three, the victory. I remember Scott Hall eventually... I remember Scott Hall would would come out with a cattle prod after that, and like he came out and attacked like the Luchadors were having a match, and he shocked El Dandy with it, <laughs> and El Dandy kind of just shrugged it off like he didn't sell it very well, and I was like, well, El, El Dandy's El Dandy's uh, skin's made of rubber, so you can't Wait, really shock hey. El Dandy. <laughs> Who are you to doubt El Dandy? <laughs> Oh man, good stuff. Uh, there's uh, as Bret Hart told us, you know, as Bret Hart once reminded us, who are who are reaching out El Dandy. <laughs> no, that man, you know what's so funny is like I had never been around a cattle prod or a stun gun or any type of device like that. So like that sound You mean you're never like around that, cattle? Is that what you're trying to tell us? I was never around no, I've never I've still never I don't know if I've ever touched a cow. 
<laughs> you've, you've, you've touched them. You've touched many a cow after the fact. Sure. Well, sure. I've handled uh, the dead carcasses of cows. Okay. That that might sound weird if we're talking about other animals, but cows that makes a lot of sense. Right. Well, with cows it means we're talking about lunch. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Right. But that noise, that noise, that I can't replicate it with my mouth, but you know the sound. Yeah. It's the sound. The sound of electric charge bouncing back and forth between two non-grounded pieces of metal, I, I guess. And, like, that sound is the, is that era of WCW to me. And not <laughs> only that, but, like, I have nightmares about that sound because I don't ever want to be... I don't ever want to be shocked like that. Well, you met Scott Hall and shook his hand. You didn't have any, like, PTSD. You didn't start, like, convulsing at the side of Scott Hall. Hey, man, want to see my cattle prod? No! <laughs> <laughs> just say no man just say no jeez come on by the way uh we're we're tall guys and we're big guys but if you want to feel small go stand next to scott hall and if you want to feel like a child go stand next to kevin nash Seriously. because wrestling is uh is a uh, a field that is rife with Overbilling. Oh, everybody is, everybody's ten feet tall and weighs a thousand pounds, right? Uh, <laughs> Scott Hall. And Only Kevin a slight Nash, exaggeration. Only a slight yeah. exaggeration. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash are not overbilled. Like those guys are huge. Yeah. And they remain huge. They're not young men anymore either. And yet, the their their age. Uh, there, there's no there. There are no obvious signs of decrepitude. I mean, those men stand tall in every sense of the word. And, man, that goes without saying a whole other side topic of thank goodness for Scott Hall's recovery. Because just a few years ago, it was a very different conversation everybody was having about the bad guy. And, uh, you know, that was a very, very, very dark days. I'm glad those are behind him. And I hope that they stay well, well, well in the rearview mirror for Scott Hall. Absolutely. Uh, all the credit in the world to uh, Scott Hall for his recovery efforts. Uh, also, Diamond Dallas Page, DDP, uh, for helping Scott Hall tremendously. No doubt he probably saved Scott Hall's life uh, and Jake Roberts' life, uh, since we're on the topic of that happening. Um, so, uh, yeah, obviously, <laughs> Scott Hall, I'm glad uh, he's alive and well. And still very tall, as Darren mentioned. Uh, He's so tall! Oh my god! He is so tall. But, uh... Hogan Goldberg, man. Hollywood Hogan Goldberg. This happened 20 years ago, and the NWO were such a big deal 20 years ago. And things happened to WCW, obviously, and uh, <laughs> things fell apart. And uh... Okay, think about this. Think about this. Go back, go back for a second to, like, letting time mess with your mind. From the formation... From the formation of the NWO to the end of WCW. Five years. Right. Right? It's now been four times as long as that entire period since this night in the Georgia Dome with Goldberg defeating Hogan for the WCW world title. That's crazy. It is crazy to think about. It is crazy. It's crazy that uh, TNA became like WCW light, basically. 
Um, it just became another WCW basically that Jeff Jarrett could be, you know, reigning champion of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's that's you know, it sounds harsh, but it's accurate. Um, Russo's help. So TNA came after WCW, and TNA has existed longer than WCW existed. Oh my god! And that's crazy yeah. to think about. It is like I don't know, man. This 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 age of access. The information age, if you will, uh, it's it's really sped everything up even more. I mean, uh, oh man, that's a whole other conversation. But <laughs> it's not just a, it's not just the, it's not just our age. It's not just an individual's age, which does speed up time. It does, but I believe time in general. You know, certainly there's a big argument to be made there. Two hundred plus years of industrialized society and uh, of going on about 60, 70 years of space age society. And now, you know, 25 years of information age, the internet and all of the wonderful things that sprung from it. I think that they're also having a very odd effect on the passing of time. Sure. Uh, that is, of course, if you believe that, that time is real and that it's linear. Well, that is a discussion for another podcast, Darren. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I thought this was the podcast that sometimes it's about wrestling and sometimes it isn't. No, it certainly is that, but uh, we might be getting a little too existential uh, for our listeners. We're <laughs> like, go back to talking about Goldberg. Um, no one ever asked for that. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so 20 years, and hopefully in 20 years from now, and we're still calling it right down the middle, as we commonly do here on the Whole Ref and Show, the only wrestling podcast that calls it right down the middle, uh, we're talking about the 40th anniversary. <laughs> oh, I remember that. I remember. I, uh, I was a young one then, driving my hot rod, and I picked up my best gal from the sock hop, and uh, I don't know why I wasn't at the sock hop with my best gal. <laughs> typically something couples do together. Uh, anyway, um, so that, that's crazy to think about uh, that we're doing this in 20 years from now, but <laughs> small steps, folks, small steps. Um, so that's that. that was a, a, a nice look back to the past. Yeah? It's a, wonder, it's a wonderful look back to the past. I, uh, I put on my Facebook just today. I put, my favorite thing is old things. And my second favorite thing is new things. Yes. And that's, that's true. And uh, like I, I love new wrestling. I'm very excited about the wrestling that I will see on my television and in person. The rest of this year and in the years to come. Right. But will it ever be as good as, as, as old wrestling? I don't think so. It'd be weird to think about like 20 years from now, I was talking about like, remember Omega versus Okada? Remember those matches? Like, uh, at, at, at this point, it's like talking about, I mean, it's that's that's longer, but talking about Flair Steamboat stuff. I mean, because that, that already is well, like. That's what, that, that's what that is. That's like 30 years ago stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. Oh, God. Oh, now I feel old. But, you know, I wasn't like, you know, going to any sock hops and picking up my lady then. I was pretty, I, I was, a, I was a, a wee bay back then. Well, think about this. Okay, think about this for a second. Here we go. Here's, here's this is the last one I'm going to do, I promise. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you, so, you, heard, you heard it, folks. This is the last one. You ready for this? The last one? So, <laughs> okay. So, WCW. This is starting WCW, off well. 
WCW and ECW have gone out of business. They are both owned by Vince McMahon come 2002. And that's 16 years ago. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Now, (laughs) go back to the formation of the NWO and go back 16 years to that. Uh, 1980. Among many things that happened in wrestling in 1980, WWF champion Bob Backlund wrestled NWA champion Ric Flair in Atlanta. Now, it's just a few years after that that people would talk about dream matches between the champions of those organizations like they would never happen and like they had never happened, and yet they did. And there's only 16 years between that happening and Hulk Hogan's entire good guy career in both WWF and WCW had happened, and Hogan was telling everyone to stick it. That same amount of time as Vince McMahon winning the Monday Night Wars and today. Right. Just crazy, man. It's crazy. You can't you can't dwell on that stuff though. It makes you feel old. Uh, no, no, I, I understand. It, it, it is strange to look back and think about how long ago things were. But that's life, I guess, right? Yeah, that's life. But I tell you what. I tell you what. I'm going to do us all a big favor, and I am going to say, let's stop looking back for the moment and let's look forward. I was about to use that same exact transition into. Fest Wrestling's next show coming up in a couple weeks, folks. We're talking about Xmas in July 2. It is going down on Saturday, July 21st in downtown Gainesville, Florida uh, at 8 seconds. The lovely 8 seconds. And uh, you can get your tickets at festwrestling.com. I know a lot of you folks uh, will be there. And uh, hopefully Darren will uh, talk to some of you folks. Uh, I will not be there, unfortunately. I'm still trapped in Los Angeles. (laughs) (laughs) I like to say trapped, but it's just like, oh my god, plane tickets are so expensive. My rent costs so much. Uh, I will be returning uh, to the Southeast later in the year uh, for a couple of fest shows, folks. So if I don't see it this one, you got to understand. You just got to understand, baby. Look out for Darren, Mr. Uh, Curly Mustache. He's easy to pick out uh, in a lineup of people. Because uh, he has a he has a fine mustache, and you you always think like that's like a negative thing, Darren. You're always like, here we go, curly mustache. Oh, but no, oh, I mean oh, it is a defining oh. characteristic, Darren. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> here we go, everyone. Uh, so yeah, Fest Wrestling's going to be great. Main event's going to be Effie defending his Fest Wrestling Championship against Saeed Al Sabah. Uh, who's been doing a lot of great work in Fest Wrestling uh, these past few shows, basically ever since he showed up. Uh, we're big fans of his. Obviously, we're huge fans of Effie. And uh, with any luck, we might get uh, one or two of these gentlemen on the podcast to talk a little bit about what's going on. I have my fingers crossed. Um, I absolutely have my fingers crossed that uh, we will have these uh, strapping young lads on our program. To talk about their uh, their impending match, their imminent match, their uh, fast approaching match, um, and you know what? Like Effie was my wrestler of the year for 2017. Uh, I don't see any reason right now why why he could possibly or how he could possibly be derailed in 2018. But if anybody is poised to do it, I would say it's Saeed Al Sabah because he has been incredibly 
impressive. Incredibly impressive to watch. And uh, this guy, uh, both of these men, both of these men are young. They are uh, incredible. They are changing the game uh, in the ring, dealing with the fans, behind the curtain. They're making a big difference. And I tell you what, I'm a big, huge fan of Saeed Al-Sabat. Incredibly uh, into this guy. And, and no, that's not a fat joke. <laughs> you saw the look on my face, and I was like, ah, let it go. And then I'm glad. You were like, uh, I see what he's trying to do. Uh, but I will say that despite being a friend of the show and one of my favorite wrestlers, I thought uh, Effie really hit the nail on the head recently in his uh, web series, Effie and the Agent, uh, in which uh, through his behavior alone, he didn't have to come out and say it. We saw it. Proof is in the pudding. Uh, the revolution may not be televised, but sometimes the truth is right there in living color. And Effie clearly, with his thumb on the pulse of the nation, totally aware of the zeitgeist, feels the momentum that is behind Saif al-Sabah. Effie can sense the growing pressure, the tumbling tumbleweed headed his way. There is a ball rolling toward you, Effie. Saif al-Sabah, a bowling ball of butcher knives, is going for that title, I'm glad you're aware of it, because uh, that's the that's the first the first step, Effie, is is acceptance. <laughs> that's right, and uh, no doubt these two have a lot to say about each other in their uh, impending match. FS Wrestling Xmas in July too. It's going to go down, folks, and like we said, we're going to have uh, hopefully both these men on the show, and of course, do our typical Fest Wrestling preview show. Uh, on the weekend of the show. But until then, folks, are you going to go to Fest? Do you remember where you were when Goldberg beat Hollywood Hogan for the WWE Championship at Nitro? Well, let us know. There's a lot of ways you can do that. Find us on Twitter at Refn Show Podcast. That's R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Find us on Facebook. Like and share. We'd appreciate that. Send us a Gmail at show at gmail.com, T-H-E-W-H-O-L-E-R-E-F-N-S-H-O-W at gmail.com, or... Or you can find us on Instagram. It's the place with all the pretty pictures. Whose pretty pictures? Our pretty pictures. Some of your pretty pictures as well, I presume. There's so many of you at this point. Some with very possibly... pretty pictures. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, it's a regular pretty picture junction. And uh, Pretty Picture Junction, what's your function? It is to get yourselves over. It's to get the whole reference show over. So help get us over, man. We'd appreciate that. And until we meet again, folks, my name is Perry Smith, sometimes Adam, but you better not call me that. <laughs> uh, and I would never call you Adam. I don't know. But uh, I am the incredible badass that is Darren Beasley. And we're going to see you next week, folks. Same bat time. Same bat channel. I murdered Bye-bye, folks. Bye-bye.